we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Teaching is the highest profession in the world. The highest profession because teachers are responsible for the future generation. Hello and welcome to episode 177 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives, representing different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is teaching. Upcoming themes are wholeness, nationalism and the present. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our updated website at kfoundation.org where you can find a new introduction to Krishnamurti, a growing collection of articles a wide selection of quotes and a new index of topics for easy access to carefully selected texts and recordings. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on teaching has three sections. This first extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Madras, 1981, titled Teaching is the Highest Profession. What is a teacher? What is a student? What is the relationship between a teacher and a student? What is education? You understand? You must take all these factors, look at it widely, not just say, I'm, I'm a teacher in a particular school with poverty, with poor children. We'll come to that. But first, let's look What is education? What do we mean by education? Are we educated? You may have a degree, BAMA or FBA or whatever it is, failed BA, you know, all the kind of stuff. You might have all those degrees. Are you educated? You may be able to read and write, go to the office, earn a job earn a livelihood, and so on, so on. Uh, But are you actually deeply educated? Or you have only educated a very, very small part of the brain? So that that 
that training gives you a livelihood, a skill, and the rest you neglect totally. So have we educated? You see, answer this question, put yourself these questions. Then who is a teacher? The man who knows mathematics, who can help you to write a good essay, a biologist. So who is the educator? See, what we are saying is, we are being educated and this education which is conditioning us is destroying us. Right? You may not see it, because you are only concerned with getting a degree, earning a livelihood, getting married, a good job, settle down and slowly die. Go into the office from morning till evening, nine hours a day or eight hours a day. That's your life. And that's your and you're all very, very educated. Right? Right, sir? Face it. So you want to produce more such human beings. Whether they are poor or well to do. Right? So what is education? Apart from this, which is necessary at certain times, certain periods, and so on, then what is real education? Education of the understanding of the whole psychological world, which is you. Right, sirs? You understand? That is totally neglected. It's like developing an arm, one arm, getting very, 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 very strong, and the other almost paralyzed. And you call this education. And there are all the teachers who are helping you to be educated. That is to cultivate a very small part of the brain through information, knowledge, to have a livelihood. So education means the cultivation of the whole of the brain, whole of one's psychological structure. You understand all this, sir? I know you will shake your head, nod your head, agree, but you will do nothing. This is the calamity of this country. You're all so full of words and ideas, but when it comes to action, you do nothing. And is there a teacher who has an actual relationship with the student? Which is, what is the relationship between the teacher and the student in a school where it's poor, well-to-do, top schools? What's the relationship? Go inside, this is your children. 
is the teacher concerned with his behaviour, with his conduct, the words he uses linguistically, whether he is aggressive, violent, brutal, a bully, is he concerned with all that? or only teaching mathematics. So one has to be, if one is a teacher, one has to find out whether you are a really a teacher, really a teacher, or merely you become a teacher because you haven't got any other better job. Teaching, a teacher is the highest profession in the world, the highest profession, not the governors, not the prime ministers, not the engineers, because they are responsible for the future generation and you don't respect them. They are the lowest paid, they are treated with disrespect. You respect those people above you in the ladder of success and you despise all those below you. And those, one of those below you is like me, like the teacher. So please, if you are an educator, and I hope you are, you are the educator, all of you are educators, because you have children, you have family, yourself, your wife, your neighbour. If you are an educator, are you there merely as an informer, giving information about biology, physics, or are you a teacher in the highest sense? Which means you care. You care how, he, how you and the student behave. You care to have good taste. Cultivate aesthetic, the sense of beauty, which is not which doesn't exist in this country. And if you are a teacher of poor children, poverty. Why has this poverty existed, exists at all? What's the fault? Whose fault is it all? You understand, sirs? Is it government? Overpopulation, birth control, all the rest of it. Who is responsible for all this? You see poverty around you all the time in this country. It's despairing it if you are 
watch it, you, you cry. And who is responsible for all this? And by cultivating, by educating the poor children, what are they going to become? Bureaucrats? Lawyers? Doctors? Join the good old establishment? You understand all these questions, sirs? So it's not the poor or the rich, they are children. You understand? Don't put them as poor children or rich children, they are children. In fact, care, affection, love, then education becomes something entirely different. But you don't care, that's what is happening. So you see, sirs, if you have a son or a daughter, I'm sure you have, all your concern is that you should have a good job, get married, settle down. That's all your concern. And that you call responsibility. You don't call it love, you call it responsibility. And so what happens to those poor children of yours? They are like, become like you. Go to the office day after day, day after day, till you are sixty, and then wither away and talk about God, rebirth, a lovely heaven. We are not being cynical, this is what is happening. So if a teacher and a teacher's teacher is the highest profession in the world, I see. the speaker says this at and all the schools he goes to, Rishivali, Rajkarni, here, all these places, you are the highest profession, because you are bringing about a new generation of people, not the old, not don't turn them out like machines. But the parents are the trouble, right? You are the trouble, not the children. Do you want them all to be like the rest of the mediocre world? So, sir, it's up to you. The second extract is from the third discussion in Ojai, 1977, titled What is the Function of a Teacher? We're going to <clears throat> talk over together, as usual, together, about education this morning. But before we do that, I would like to make an introduction 
about the whole Cape Foundation and their schools. The speaker, K, has been concerned with education since 1925. Long time. And he was concerned with, the, with education. And he was responsible for choosing the sites in India. There's one school in the north near Benares, which is about four, 500 miles from New Delhi. And there are about 200 acres there on the river Ganga, Ganges. And also, there is a school in Rishi Valley in South India, about 170 miles from Madras, which is South India. And there are also two other schools, one in Madras itself and one in Bombay. The one in Bombay, which has been going on for 25, year, 25 years, is entirely and wholly for the poor people, very, very, very poor people. They've got 160 students, And there are, there's another school being brought into being near Bangalore. So there are five schools in India. And there is a school, as perhaps some of you know, at Brockwood in Hampshire, in England. That has been going on for nearly eight years. There are only we have said we will limit it to 60 students. And there are only 60 students there. I believe there are about 14, I'm not quite sure, <coughs> nationalities there from all over the world. And this school here, we've been discussing with the teachers, with the parents, and with the architects for the last two years. This school here is entirely different from other schools in India and in England. Here, the parents are involved in it, which is a new kind of experiment. Because if the children are going to be different, the parents must also be different. Otherwise, there's a contradiction between the children and the parents, and there'll be conflict between them. So to avoid all that, we thought it would be right that the parents, as well as the teachers and the students, work together, all as a family unit. So, and with regard to the architecture here, we've been talking with the, some prominent architects for the last three years or two years, I've forgotten now. And as Mr. Mark Lee has pointed out, we are going to create it, not only a school, but also a centre. 
which is going to happen in India, which is happening in England, and it must happen here, which is a centre where people can gather together for perhaps three weeks at a time to discuss and be together, be concerned with the problems and so on. That's the introduction. So please, the speaker is completely and totally involved in all the schools in India, in England and here. These schools are not being created against his wishes. He's involved completely. And also with the centre. So having said that, let us talk over together the question of education. I do not know why we educate our children. We have never asked, perhaps, what is the intention, what is the meaning of education. Is it to turn out so many engineers, technicians, academicians, professors, specialists medically and otherwise? And apparently, that is what is happening. The cultivation of memory about facts, technologically educated, so that human beings throughout the world can earn a livelihood, settle down in a particular pattern of society and totally, completely disregard the whole psychological structure of man. That is what is actually what is happening in the world. Cultivate one fragment of the mind So that through going through school, college and university, if one wants to, and learn sufficient information, facts, and act from that memory skillfully or not. That is the pattern set for man in education. Right? Do we agree to this? I'm pleased not agree. Do we see this together? And the psychological factors of human beings, because they are so utterly neglected, so disregarded, never even thought about, 
and gone into has produced a society that's utterly lopsided, utterly fragmented. So if that is the education most of us want, and that's what our children are educated to, then we must inevitably face the fact of conflicts, wars, terrorism, and all the ugliness that's going on in the world. Again, that's a fact. So when we talk about education, what do we mean by it? Is it the cultivation not only of knowledge, but also be concerned with the whole total man, the whole of man, or the woman. Forgive me if I talk about man, and that is included woman. And if it is the cultivation or the the concern of education is not only the technical development of man with considerable information and knowledge, but also include in education the understanding of the whole psychological structure. The two should go together, and not one ahead of the the other, so that man is a total human being, not a fragmented, broken being. And also, apparently, through education, as it is now, as knowledge is encouraged, is cultivated, many scientists, including some of the famous ones who have been talking on television in England, and perhaps here also, that man (coughs) can only ascend through knowledge. Do you understand? Ascend. Like Bronowski and others are saying that man can climb, ascend, go forward only through the acquisition of knowledge. And these specialists, professors, experts totally disregard the other field. And we all think in the foundation that the two should go together, not one ahead of the other. So that man, education is concerned with the total 
cultivation, development, total, the whole of man. And to bring about that, one needs not only teachers or educators who are who know a great deal about history and all the rest of it, but also are concerned with the other. Therefore, one finds it terribly difficult to find such teachers. You understand? Who are really concerned with the total understanding of themselves and the children, their parents, as a, as a unit who are concerned with the whole of man. So that's one of our problems, to find proper teachers who are really concerned with, with, the, with the, not only the deep inward cultivation, but also be excellent academically. The two marching together. Then also one of the factors is parents generally send their children to schools. Day schools, state schools, free schools, private schools, residential schools, and so on. They're they are not responsible for them. They feel as long as they are very young, up to perhaps five or six, they feel very responsible. After that, let them go, throw them to the wolves. This has happened in India, and we have talked a great deal about it in India. And the parents, because for economic reasons, and also of tremendous tradition of thousands of years, are, want to give, say, you know better than we do about education, educate them. Because we are much too occupied with our own lives. So that is one of our problems, the parents, are not totally responsible in the sense we are using the word responsibility, which means being responsible, feeling the depth of their relationship to their children, so that they themselves are be educating themselves as well as the children, so that there is no contradiction when they go home, they don't find the parents totally in a different area, dimension. That's one of our difficulties. The other difficulty is financial. Nobody wants to do this kind of work. They would rather send their children to private public schools because it's much safer. At least they think so. 
because they think they'll have a good job, you know, all the rest of it. So these are the many complex problems in so-called, in real education. In the so-called education, it's comparatively easy. I do not know if you were listening last night <clears throat> on the television, the presidents of Yale University and California University. As you listen to them, they are not concerned at all with the psychological unfoldment of freedom of man. They are only they are they are concerned with that and not with the other. So then we ask, what then is education? You understand? How is this to be brought about? What is the function of a teacher, the educator? What is his relationship to the student? And what is his relationship to the parent? You are following all this? I hope. Are we meeting each other? What is the, let's begin with, what is the relationship of the educator with the student. What is his relationship to the student? I, the speaker, K, because when he goes to India, he spends practically a month in each place of these schools, talking with the students, with the teachers, and all the whole school together. So he's, so he knows. You know, we've been talking endlessly for the last fifty-two years about education, and <coughs> so I'm asking you, as parents, you as educators, what is the relationship of an educator, the teacher, to the student? Is, is the relationship based on giving information from a, a status as a teacher? You don't say status. He's, he knows and the other fellow doesn't know, which is a fact. And so he, his relationship to the student is Merely that of in giving information, knowledge of, of a particular subject to the student. So he has really no relationship with the student. But when the educator comes, steps down from his platform, from his status, and begins to establish a relationship with a student in the sense that the teacher is concerned not only with the technological knowledge, but with the whole psychological structure 
but also what kind of food he eats, what kind of clothes he wears, how he behaves, how he talks, how he eats, how he walks. Do you understand? All this is part of the relationship between the teacher and the student. So, there is no teacher separate from the taught. You, am I making? The teacher isn't merely the one who gives information, but the one who is so deeply concerned with the student, which means he is concerned with himself as well as with the student. That is, if I may explain a little more, <coughs> if you will permit me, the student comes to the school conditioned, right? Already conditioned by the parents, by his friends, by the neighbour, and so on. He's conditioned. And the teacher is also conditioned, right? Both the educator and the one to be educated are both conditioned, right? So, the responsibility of a good teacher is to explain to the student that we are both, both conditioned, right? If he can explain it in different ways, which is comparatively easy. And say, I am conditioned as an educator, and so are you. So let us, in talking over together, you understand? In discussing, in going in dialogue with each other, talk, when we are out for a walk, when, and so on, explore this conditioning. You understand? So that it is a constant relationship with each other. I wonder if, you, if I'm making something clear. We are trying this, please, in Brockwood's, with a in India, where one of the new principles coming to be, with whom we have been talking a great deal, we are trying this, so that there is no division psychologically between the teacher and the student. Which means the teacher cares for the student, cares in the profound sense of the word, affection, you know, all that. Am I making this clear somewhat? What we are trying to do, what we want to do, what we will do. If not, it's not worth trying. You understand? Because there are millions of other schools. <coughs> so that's one of our problems. Not our problem, that's a human problem. The other problem is, Will the parent, who is heavily conditioned with his beliefs, with his uh, ambitions, uh, lack of time to 
to have, to be with the children, care for the children, all the rest of it. And the mother, too, has very little time for them, because in modern society, both the parent and both the father and the mother go out to earn more money, to have more, more cars and more something else. I don't God knows. Mm-hmm. So they have very little relationship with these children. So will the parents also be concerned with the total development of their children and of themselves, with the help of the teachers altogether. You understand the question? Are you following? Are we communicating with each other somewhat? So, and the other problem is, To relate history, I'm taking that as an example, as a factual movement, to relate it so that the child or the student understands the meaning, the full meaning of history. You, you understand? If I'm a teacher of history, God forbid, I'm not, I'm not a teacher of history. If I'm a teacher of history, how am I to teach him the full meaning of history, the full significance of history? Not the kings and the wars and the dates of wars, you know what general hist- histories are, but I want him to understand the, the story of man, which is history, right? I wonder if you're meeting each other. The story of man. I want to tell him about that. Not only the factual kings and queens and the presidents and the wars and all the rest of it. But also I want him to see the extraordinary story of man who has from who has grown, who has you follow? All that. How am I to teach him that? I don't know if you ever thought about it. Few of us have already discussed this point here with the parents and the educators. How is an educator to teach history, not of a particular country, of a particular group of people or community, but the global history of man? You, you, are we meeting each other? If I was that teacher, educator, I would proceed this way. (laughs) Sorry. Because that student is the embodiment of total humanity. 
right? You understand this? I wonder if you understand. We said in the talks here, the world is you and you are the world, right? That's a, that's a absolute re, re, truth to me. It may not be to you, but it is a complete, irrevocable, <coughs> inviolable fact. And so is that student. He's the world, and the world is him. Because he is going to suffer, you know, go through all the mill and the travail of human beings, right throughout the world. So, in him is the history of man. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, come on, sir. Huh? Do we understand this? Good. I'm, I'm so glad some of you. Yes. So, I would say now, together we're going to learn. The story of man, which is you. I would spend a great deal of time about that. How to read the history of man, which is you. The book, the content of that book, which is you. So if we, if we can read that book, that story of man, which is himself, which is the student, which is the teacher, which is the parent, which is the man, human being. Then also I would go into the question of wars, you know, the, the specialised communities, America, England, you know, the division, why the division takes place, all the rest of it. So that he he becomes, he learns the history of man through himself, you know, not through a book, not through uh, some psychologist, professor, philosopher, and all the rest of it. So he'll be an authentic man. You understand? I wonder if you believe this. He'll not be a second-hand man or woman as we are. But he'll be, he will be the total human being. That's if I was a teacher in a school. That I would. That's how I would approach history. And if I was talking about mathematics, which is a little more complex problem. I would be concerned with order, right? Mathematics, part of it, is very orderly, right? Right, sir? Are there some mathematicians here? <laughs> it's very orderly. Higher mathematics deeper, going into very higher things, it may be rather confused, uncertain, unclear. But the general mathematics 
is order. So I'm, if I were a teacher of mathematics, I would talk to him about order. You know? Order in daily life. How he behaves, how he eats, how he talks, all these are very, very important. Consideration of others, politeness, which in America doesn't exist. Hmm? Sorry, forgive me if I'm saying this. There is no respect for anything. So, order, consideration, how one behaves, how one talks, how one walks, <coughs> and out of that comes naturally respect for each other. So, so order in his room, you understand? So order in his clothes and so on and so on. So I would begin with that, so that he understands order, not impose discipline. I wonder, have you understand something? Because together, the student and I are concerned with order. Which means punctuality, which means turning up meals at the correct time, and so on. And I will talk a great deal about that, and introduce algebra and all the rest of it, so that he, in himself, he's, he's bringing order out of this chaos. Without discipline, without which means compulsion, reward, punishment, marks, a good boy, encouraging, all that is so irrelevant, which hasn't, you have had discipline in all the schools, beaten and all the rest of it, <coughs> it has not created any different human being. So that is how I would, if I was a teacher, how the two subjects and other subjects I would go into. So that my, rela- or the, my relationship to the student is not that of an elder brother or a teacher or somebody outside, but together we are learning. I believe the word school comes from the word leisure. Leisure implies a mind which is not occupied, not occupied with books, family, problems, just not occupied. It is only when the mind is not occupied then you can learn. But if it's already occupied, crammed full of 
complexities, it can't learn in the deeper sense of the word. So, in a school of this kind, there would be leisure. Not what to do what you like. Have leisure to sit and look. I wonder if you understand all this. Doesn't matter, we'll go into it. So that's our problem. That's the problem of education if one is deeply concerned with humanity, with with each other, as an educator and the person to be educated. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Rajgarh, 1964, titled No Teacher Can Help You. There is a problem and you want somebody to solve it. Really, that is the crux of the whole matter. And is there somebody to solve it for you? You are hungry. And is well fed and talks about the nice meal he had. Would that satisfy you? And you are in that position, aren't you? So, isn't it important to realize that there is nobody that can help you? It's rather despairing. Thought that you have to fight through yourself to find out, and that you cannot possibly rely on anybody. You have relied on your gurus, teachers, books, political leaders, your saints, your mahatmas, and where are you now at the end of it all, after two thousand, two million years? Just the same old petty mind. So what will you do, sir? So it's your problem and you have to do something about it. Do, do, please go on with it and you will see what's going to be the outcome of this discussion. When you understand, realize that there is no one outside that can help you, no one, no gods, no gurus, no politicians, no district commissioner, God knows what else, nobody can help you. Aren't you already in a state of maturity? That means you're already free of fear of making a mistake, free of fear from fear of not doing the right thing. Aren't you? So that's the first difficulty we have to face. 
told way that there is nobody, no system, a religious system or a communist system, nobody, religious dictator or a political dictator, is going to help us. When one realizes that actually, not theoretically, already there is a revolution in the mind, in the brain, is there not? There are different kind of teachers, are there not? The teacher in a class, if the teacher in a <coughs> educational system is worth his thought, he is not teaching. He is encouraging the student to learn. Obviously, if he says, I know uh, the distance between here and the moon and what are the molecules that make the atom and all that stuff, it, the boy won't, he will repeat, but he is not learning. A good teacher helps the student to learn. Then he, and you ask the teachers here, you find out. Then there is there are the teachers who are merely assert that there is a God, do this, don't do that. That is not teaching. Good God. They are real exploiters. They are really uh, repeaters and for uh, so in the social pattern. Then there are the teachers who man establishes as the teacher, like Karl Marx or whatever it is, according to their particular economic, social, religious uh, tendencies, they start hoping from that teacher to learn, to, to find out something. This is all obvious. Now, what is the function, apart from all this, of a teacher? What can the teacher do, just to point out, can't he? Just say, look, do look in this direction, there may be something in there, look. He can't force you, he can't browbeat you. He can only say, do, my friend, if you look in that direction, perhaps you will understand things differently. But you must have the energy to look. You must not be afraid not to look. So it depends on you. I can go on repeating as I have been unfortunate for the last 40 years talking endlessly and you come and repeat the same old question to me. Our guru is necessary, gives us light, intuition or all the around and then you are at the end of that. So, all that one can do is to learn, isn't it, sir? 